Namaste. Welcome to part 5 of the series on mental health. So far, we have heard a great deal about mental health and the current problems that children and young people are up against. We also heard from one of the leading doctors today, a specialist in child psychiatry, about how we can help children. Today, we will present a different perspective. To understand mental health from within the Indic tradition, we have an expert in the field of Indic psychology, Dr. Mala Kapadia. As always, you can find a detailed bio of all the accomplished guests on our website. So let's just get started now. Mala ji, we are honored to have you as part of the podcast. Namaskaram to you and welcome. Namaskaram. Namaskaram to both of you and all the listeners. Thank you, Mala ji. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you with us and we are really looking forward to this podcast. So um, just to start proceedings, let me start with the first question that we have on our mind. Since you come from uh, the space of Indic wisdom, how is mental health looked at in the Indic worldview? Okay, thank you for this question. And uh, I'm grateful to uh, Hindu Parenting and both of you for inviting me here. However, let me begin with a little of my life journey to be able to answer this question well. I completed my study of psychology way back in 1979 from St. Xavier's College, Mumbai. And I was utterly disappointed because even at that time, we taught only Western and European psychology. We only had non-Indian textbooks. There was no mention of even positive psychology that today people are talking about. And that mm -hmm. made me leave psychology. I took a detour in my education and then in my career from psychology to literature, journalism, human resources, uh, diploma in yoga and Ayurveda, diploma in Ayurvedic psychology. So I left the Western view of psychology way back. However, my quest for psychology, as it is really the science of understanding self, never left me. And that got me into a detailed understanding, more deeper and higher understanding of Indic way of looking. When I say Indic, it's not just a geographical boundary of the map of India, but it's more about mm -hmm. the civilizational wisdom of mm -hmm. our land. Mm -hmm. And I really feel sad when people talk of, uh, you know, uh, Martin Seligman and others as a father of positive psychology. Because from our Bharatiya perspective, way back in Vedas, and I'll talk a little of Yajurveda and Atharva Veda here, because Yajurveda is where there is a prayer and which says, Maname Shiva Sankalpam Astu. May my mind be full of Shiva Sankalpa. And your ship, and it, it's a code, right? It's not a god that, you know, you project as a Shivalingam. But Shiva is representing Kalyanam, or the highest of welfare and well-being. And may my mind be full of highest level of well-being and wellness. And this goes, positive psychology for us goes way back to Yajurveda. And also Atharva Veda, which is known as Atma Veda or Brahma Veda, because it is full of insights and wisdom of who I am and how am I related to the cosmos. So for us, if we really wish to speak about mental health and psychology, we need to go back into the historical way of our own civilization and culture. This is totally fascinating, Malaji. Many of these things I am hearing for the first time. Um, I had no idea that uh, you know this this uh, positive psychology or the way the uh, Bharatiya civilization looks at this uh, starts from the Vedas itself. So um, this is uh, a truly eye-opening um, information and wisdom that we are getting today. Uh, so it is not for us... nothing that. Uh... You know, the uh, the Vedas are called Shruti. Shruti is like the eternal wisdom, you know. So 
if if what uh, malaji is saying that our first references okay. to mental health go back to shruti then this is one more underlining of the fact that it is eternal wisdom indeed you know we've always known it so that's i think uh, something more to add oh, absolutely yes. and and therefore you know because those psychology is supposed to be the science of mind right but till date most of the part of psychology if you see they have no clear understanding of what is mind they look mm. at mind as brain they confuse mind and brain as one mm. Mm. while our rishis had their own i would say intuitive research and insights into what is mind brain as a part of body so what is brain also they understood but they also mm. knew manas is different than the brain and mm. when we want to talk of mental health we have to include mana buddhi and atma where buddhi mm. is not intellect or iq but buddhi is the vivek buddhi or a higher yeah. intelligence right which is connected with spirituality which we all have you know mm. it's not that it's for some people or it's only for old people but uh, as the saying goes we are spiritual beings having a human experience it's not about us being human and then having a spiritual experience that's so true ah. that's yeah. very interesting spiritual beings having a human experience it's really yeah. interesting <laughs> isn't that isn't that beautiful beautifully yeah. expressed <laughs> very much very yeah. much this is the first time i'm hearing this uh, articulation i, I really like it. i really like it. thank you <laughs> thank you and also yeah. when we are seeing what is a human being right what is being human i mean even if we want to speak about western psychologist there are two people who are very close to uh, describing mental health and well being closer to what vedic wisdom is one is carl jung and the other is abraham maslow unfortunately mm -hmm. their theories have been very distorted or you know uh, hidden from the masses so you don't really learn self transcendence as maslow talked about but which is about shiva sankalpam right when you transcendent mm. your limited understanding very xenophobic understanding of who you are as a human being and when when there is shiva sankalpa you know well being mm. of everyone you have to transcend that limited understanding of being a body and having uh, needs right mm. yeah given your background in ayurveda and yoga also i had this um, this uh, question um see all of us think of the word holistic in connection with uh, yoga ayurveda you know indian um, medical sciences so to speak um so from this point of view would you say that mental health is connected to our bodily health you know how are the mind and body connected because we don't often see this connection in um, western medicine i think and no you are absolutely right unfortunately though everyone says it's psychosomatic and body and mind are connected but i think ayurveda which is a upaveda or coming from atharva veda is one of the first scientific study of how body and mind are interconnected or like a continuity i mean we look at einstein saying that matter and energy is a continuum right and the same uh, understanding we can apply where body is matter and mind is energy mind is subtle so it's like a hardware and a software hmm. now obviously hmm. nothing in our computer is only belonging to hardware and only belonging to software right they are all yeah. impacting each other and ayurveda beautifully explains what is ayu and it says that ayu or life is a combination of sharir manas indriya and atma Hmm. indriya or our five senses uh, and you know five cognitive senses and five motor senses all the 10 senses above that is manas which is the 11th sense and ayurveda very clearly explained uh, way back uh, as long as charak samhita and then later on in sushrut and vagbat as well 
that what are we made up of? We are made up of the same stuff as cosmos, right? I mean, Pindete Brahmande is what we have heard. But yeah. this is where we realize that our mental health or even physical health is connected with the cosmos. So how does the sun, moon and the circadian rhythm uh, is changing? And the moment our bodily habits stay very aligned with what is happening in nature, like simple, the sunrise. And if we wake up before sunrise, what is the kind of energy that we experience at a body level and even mind level? You know, how does it help our well-being? So Ayurveda has tips from simple, what time do you wake up to what time do you eat and what you eat to, uh, you know, what time should you sleep and what helps you sleep better. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we have neglected all this research. Okay, uh... Related to this is the other question, you know, uh, since you're talking about uh, ignoring all this research, today Ayurveda or any, um, what do you say, indigenous system for health and well-being is called as the alternate system, you know, and only the Western or the allopathic system is called the mainstream one, you know. So how how do we counter this? Uh, and uh, is it really alternate or is it the system with allopathy perhaps being a subset? But if we are claiming that, then how do we substantiate what we are saying? Sure. See, to substantiate that and before substantiating, we need to come out from our own colonized mind, right? Hmm. I mean, we were a civilization and one of the richest civilization which actually attracted a lot of people to come and invade us, right? So we must mm. be doing something very right as a civilization and culture. Yes, uh, obviously. You know? And yeah. and yeah. obviously, we, 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 were, uh, we are one of the oldest civilizations which have even existed today. While, uh, you know, the superpowers of today were not even on the map of the world when, mm. you know, our rishis were doing their research on who we are and why are we on this planet? How is this planet connected with the cosmos? How should we live? Why do mm. we live? How do we live longer and better? Right? That's how Ayurveda was designed. Unfortunately, what has happened uh, from industrial era to today what we call the VUCA world or the pandemic world, we mm. have been disconnected from nature and community. You know? So, Prior to industrial era, every culture, every civilization was rooted in their own space, right? And therefore, mm -hmm. they lived the rhythm of nature. Ayurveda mm -hmm. is very much a mainstream when we realize that we have to live the rhythm. Everything in the cosmos exists with a rhythm and a self-discipline, right? Sun never says that today, okay, I, I'm on a holiday. It's a Sunday. I'll not come out. Yeah. You know, yeah. or the yeah. earth doesn't say, oh, I want to compete with other planets. Let me take a faster round, you know. Yeah. So there is an inborn swabhava or nature of every entity in cosmos. And they all behave in alignment with their nature, the swabhava. Right. right. Unfortunately, we as human beings, you know, we are, we are given a free choice and Unfortunately, what we see that we have not used that free choice to evolve or become better, right? Uh, so what has happened is uh, from industrial era, uh, money and power and, you know, GDP, uh, they all became mainstream. So what happened is that community, rhythm, the power of women or Shakti, power of family, uh, you know, everything took a backseat. And therefore, even our health and happiness took a backseat. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to take names, uh, but everyone can verify the history of medical uh, sciences and medical colleges. What happened is that huge grants and donations were given to change the curriculum. So, uh -huh. the you know, the naturopathy or nature's way of living food as medicine, 
uh, was all removed because there are very powerful lobbies uh, that want the pharma companies uh, obviously to take over the world, right? So mm. obviously, unless you are physically sick and mentally sick, they can't make profit. So everything is geared in a very capitalist, uh, you know, way of making human being a resource, you know, or a consumer. Hmm. Oh, yeah. if you're so, saying that, this is actually uh, propelling me to ask this question. You know, uh, physical uh, physical health has been on the decline for quite a while now, and it's it has been treated. Uh, um you know as a physical problem okay so all that while we had never heard about this uh, this uh, word called mental health this this mental health issue has been uh, becoming so big and so uh, you know all encompassing probably over the past i would say uh, maybe less than a decade I don't I, I don't remember hearing this word at all. Okay, there was psychology and all, all that. But mental health was never talked about in the way that it is thrown around today. You know, all the time people are talking about mental health all the time. So I'm wondering now, since you have said that, you know, uh, they want to make you diseased both in body and spirit. So they've, they've accomplished that with the body. Now it is a turn of the spirit, and that's why this mental health is uh, taking center stage these days. Is that is could that be one of the, uh, you know, the conclusions one can draw, or are we getting into a conspiracy theory? You know, no, no, no. See, it's, I, I know I've been branded as a conspiracy theorist uh, at many levels, <laughs> but you know, to be honest, if you if you just Google out mental health, it's supposed to be a positive word, right? It's supposed to be the health of your mind. However, when yeah. you Google out mental health, all that you'll open up on the Google search will be depression, anxiety, yes. bipolar, substance abuse. Yes. That's mental That's health. That's true. Right? That's true. <laughs> so so yes. whatever the mainstream agenda is, is to create or they don't even have a positive definition of health itself. You know, mm. I mean, health is normally seen as absence of disease. I mm. have, I was writing a paper on peace, and you'll be shocked to know that a mm. lot of peace psychology uh, research that I read began uh, describing peace as absence of war and conflict. There mm. was no positive construct of peace. The same uh. way there is no positive construct of health. Now, yes. let me go back to uh, Ayurveda and how Ayurveda defines a healthy person. So Ayurveda very clearly says that all your bodily processes, that means the samadosha, samadhatu, sama agnisha, malakriya, prasanna, atma, indriya, mana, swastha, ityabhidhiyate. Swastha, somebody who's steady, rooted, grounded in self, hmm. will need to have a very balanced and harmonious alignment of entire body processes, but also a deep prasannata, happiness. I mean, happiness is a very superficial word, you know, and I love this book by Rajiv Ji, uh, Rajiv Malhotra Ji, the Sanskrit non-translatable, right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> because prasannata is not happiness. It's, it's a much deeper uh, word. So unless your manas is prasanna, you will not be healthy. Mm. And you'll be surprised that I was writing a paper on health psychology for a book on health psychology. So I was looking at all the definitions, curriculum, uh, American Psychological Association that has a division on health psychology. And as recent as 2017 in the editorial, when they started this journal of health psychology, the editor writes, that this journal is only about uh, physical health. We have nothing to do with mental health. Now, can you <laughs> imagine as I recent mean. as 2017, they have no understanding of what is the mind and body connection. And health cannot be separate for body and separate for mind. Yeah. 
Right. Yes. It's like you know, uh, why why are we? I, I'll come to your uh, another question that only why mental health has become a concern area, or we listen to it a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I would talk about two things here. You know, one from industrial era to pandemic world, as I said, we have been, you know, we have been uprooted from nature. We have been uprooted from our community. So there is a lot of alienation which has happened, right? Also, a lot of brainwashing of women and breaking of family that you will see around, you know. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, mental health was taken care by, and even bodily health was taken care by family because it was a large extended family with a lot of women at home. So mm-hmm. if somebody's sad, if somebody is feeling depressed, if you are grieving a loss, or if you are angry, if you are jealous, any of the negative emotion, there was always a sensitive woman around you who would pick up this signal, you know, from your body language, from your loss of appetite, or, you know, or your extra sleep or lack of sleep, right? Hmm. Because you you stay together, you are very connected with each other. Now, now, what is happening? You are alienated from family. A lot of single families, a lot of single parent families, right? Yes. So, what is happening is, a human being is not feeling very safe. Like a, like a simple physical disorder like obesity. And one can Google out and see obesity as, you know, one of like a, it's like a pandemic uh, in affluent uh, civilizations today. Every one person in five is obese, right? But obesity is not just a physical problem. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guidance is given for the diet and, you know, taking care of, exercise etc ayurveda also talks of obesity at a physical level but ayurveda also talks of obesity at a deep psychological level where mm-hmm. fat which is the excess of fat which is making you obese is creating or is a dhatu which is the meda and it's functioned according to ayurveda at body level is to create protection for the bones and muscles, right? Mm. However, it's also uh, creating moisture or lubrication, which is a protective layer. And therefore, you would realize that at a psychological level, uh, when that snehan or love in your life is missing, if you feel there is no protection, you don't feel safe, then you start eating junk food, which creates that excess fat layer in your body. No, So you would realize a lot of addiction to junk food, which is creating too much meda in you know young children. And I would see that as a mental disease, not as mental health issue. Because mental health is a positive construct. You know, mental health is about how do I become optimistic? How do I love? How do I accept and I give love? How do I feel gratitude? How do I stay connected with with my ecology, my family, my community? How do I live a fully uh, potential uh, which is there within me? That is mental health. Uh, Mental disease is all that depression or obesity uh, diabetes that we are talking about. So Malaji, it seems to me that we first have to give children and families uh, today a way to experience wellness first so that, you know, people don't go off into the diseased state. So without an experience of well-being, you know, um, it is very hard to know uh, you know, what is the absence of well-being? So the only thing people know today, I think, is the absence of well-being. Uh, and that is being treated as diagnosed and treated as various diseases. So for for this thing to uh, to make a dent here, it seems like we first have to um, give a definition and a holistic experience. People have to experience well-being, especially in their childhoods, isn't it? 
absolutely very true uh, and therefore you know we need to actually create curriculums on wellness and well-being uh, as a part of their uh, school education we also as what you are doing in hindu parenting we need to educate the parents right because uh, i'll give you a very simple example uh, of you know how uh, it's culture specific right i i love the word culture because hmm. uh, we say that it's a part of my culture right uh, yes. when you look at indian culture uh, there is something which is every woman or every traditional kitchen in indian household will always have and will pass on from one generation to another without fail you know and and that is as simple as one teaspoon of yogurt because if you don't have that one teaspoon of yogurt in your house you cannot make fresh yogurt from milk right to to cuddle the milk you need that culture it's in english it's called culture and we realize that this is such a beautiful word uh you know it was uh, this example was given by shivali ji in her program uh and it is uh, it, this example comes from vaidya hitesh jani on we need to pass on this culture so that one teaspoon of yogurt as a culture if we can bring back right like i have been teaching in uh countries like singapore dubai sydney uh, at uh, various global institutes and when i would stay there for a longer period i would crave for you know homemade yogurt and i would mm. try to use their tetra pack milk and their tetra pack yogurt to create that you know uh, yogurt at home and it would fail because they both are processed they are not fresh unfortunately what we see in india today a lot of processed food or which a food which does not have prana or life see unless the milk has prana mm. or life and, and unless the culture that you are adding to it has prana or life a new life cannot take place right the new yogurt will not form the same wow, way the articulation to... is so beautiful i mean <laughs> uh, i know this uh, the definition you've given for uh, processed no i think it resonates so deeply with me which does not have prana which does not have life i think i will always henceforth call processed things like that you know it's uh, it's a great way to define processed food really and absolutely and let every every one just introspect and say in my home how much prana is there you know just for one day decide to switch off the television and your mobile phone and your laptop be with each other a uh, cook fresh food go and buy fresh vegetables right very very simple satvik way just go back to that one day in a week and that one day in a week will maybe create so much of satvik way that people would crave to bring it back in life you know and when we say aahar or satva they both are related right because in ayurveda not mental health but mental health is satva a lot of satva and prana in your life a lot of ojas in your body but mm. in uh, manas roga which is the mental disease is in ayurveda caused by rajas and tamas and the problem mm. with our society today is rajas and tamas have become the driver that's and true yes subjugated right so unless we make satva the driver of our life and if satva is driving rajas then we know how much activity what activity to get into tamas and ayurveda is also and shri arbindo very beautifully specifies the gross tamas and subtle tamas and this is what in ayurveda is also known as sukshma tamas which is nidra you know your ability to sleep well which is such a important part in mental health and and, mm. and this is where the 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 sound sleep a good quality of sleep that we need gets connected 
to body because in our body we have a pituitary gland right everyone knows it however mm -hmm. the one of the functions of pituitary gland is to produce melatonin it's a natural hormone which gets secreted during the daytime thanks to sunlight however it gets mm -hmm. activated post sunset with darkness and it's melatonin which helps us sleep well it creates that sukshma subtle tamas and urge which allows us to sleep well now look at the tragedy of our modern lifestyle uh, children adults everyone we hardly get good sunlight in our body right it's it's all most of the time we are in artificial light and closed rooms yeah also yes. post sunset and this is where you know ayurveda uses the simile of lotus for heart and heart is called hridai kamala now the problem mm -hmm. is we we say oh our rishis were very poetic and they were talking of heart as a lotus what is the scientific relevance you know it's just a poetry no it's not mm -hmm. poetry this is hardcore biomimicry today scientists are saying that we need to look at nature and then we need to recreate nature in our life that's called biomimicry right mm -hmm. so how birds can fly aeroplanes are designed the same way so mm -hmm. science is borrowing a lot from nature but when we look at mm -hmm. the heart as lotus anyone who has seen a lotus we know it blooms with sunrise and it closes its petals with sunset right mm, yes so post sunset our heart wants to relax it doesn't want to be active and mm. the moment the heart relaxes also the more we allow a natural darkness to be a part of our life you know before we sleep before we wind up the day we'll get a good quality of sleep now unfortunately look at our lifestyle it's only in the evening that people go to gym they work out mm. heavily so the mm. heart is not happy no wonder mm. we are seeing lot of heart attacks right in young people including cardiologists because they mm. don't understand they have studied the mainstream allopathy but they have not understood the ayurveda way of looking at your heart mm. and melatonin does not become active because of the artificial light it requires darkness to be active so what does the mainstream medicine do or oh, don't worry you don't need to change your lifestyle we are producing melatonin tablets chemically made and you take it you'll be able to sleep well mm -hmm. and therefore according to the what we today call the mainstream the responsibility for our health or disease management we have you know outsourced it to outsourced. doctors and pharmaceutical companies Mm. why according to ayurveda you cannot outsource its self responsibility i need to take responsibility for my lifestyle my thoughts my manas my sharir my ahar and when i'm self responsible obviously i'm in a zone of perfect physical and emotional health but given the disjointed state that our society is in today uh it will be a long time before uh, people start to adopt this no what could be a tipping point you know when people say okay enough is enough now i have to go back to looking after myself <laughs> really because we might say all this you know but how many people are going to adopt such a lifestyle tomorrow no see the other the other thing is you know we need the support of society it's like if you if you alone try to do something and the rest of your friends family everybody is doing something else it's uh, uh, you know it's 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 difficult for a single individual so at the level of society i do not know where we are going and how long it might take for many of these ideas to be heard first and then the awareness to grow and then to implement it at um, you know at small local levels isn't it yeah sure see i'll answer uh, first question the tipping point i think pandemic was the tipping point right during the lockdowns a lot of mental diseases went up however lot of awareness and self responsibility also started coming up you know where the alternate started coming up in the mainstream 
that mm-hmm. oh the mainstream is not working it's not helping mm-hmm. we have taken mm-hmm. vaccines but it's i'm still getting uh, covid where people are getting disillusioned uh, they are aware of their limitations and their lifestyle and how uh, it has created uh, the pandemic world right the vuka world was a symptom what was also a signal it was a symptom of our collective way of living but it also was a signal that we are going to collapse and that's what pandemic did however unfortunately what happened is though there are people who believe that vaccines have been saving a lot of life people do realize that only vaccines cannot save your life we have to change our lifestyle our way of living thinking feeling a lot of family support is required because uh, you you can't survive in a in a lonely or alone environment and that's where i'll answer the second question that you know how long will it take uh, we need the society uh, to change before we are able to create any impact or we change and i would say you girls have already started with hindu parenting this process right of being the influencers i've heard your earlier podcasts and do realize that there are families there are young teenagers who are like old souls they are talking of so much wisdom they are aware of the mental health challenges that are happening around them but they are also uh, very focused on saving themselves saving their friends and what do they need to do right uh, so i i see a lot of hope today rather than uh, feeling negative there is a wonderful book by david r hawkins uh, he was a scientist and engineer who had a life threatening disease out of body experiences near death experiences and when he bounced back to health he became a kinesiologist so from our body's energy he created a map of consciousness and he talks of lot of negative emotions draining our energy and lot of positive emotions which can enhance our energy and health and this is so beautifully correlates with our sattva rajas tamas that i was talking about so if mm-hmm. we are in a sattvic uh, emotions like joy love gratitude fearlessness right uh, experiencing freedom connectedness then we are in a higher energy zone at a body level also and he very beautifully states which really answers your question that if one person changes that mm. person's higher energy uh, let's say if i am living more in a conscious living and a joyful or a peaceful mode i may be able to compensate negative energy of so many thousands or lakhs of people in my ecosystem and this is what we see right this is what we call avatars or saints mm-hmm. what were they doing they were vibrating at a very higher level so i think life has become you know very uh, easy for us that i don't have to go and change the world i don't have to go and uh, change the society all i need to do is live more consciously so that as a woman as a parent as a teacher as a counselor uh, as a corporate executive whatever my role is in life i keep vibrating in a sattvic zone i live a very conscious sattvic mindful life uh, i stay in a you know balance and harmony in my body and mind i follow the circadian rhythm which received a nobel prize unfortunately ayurveda talked about dinacharya and ratricharya millennia ago but you know we never received our rishis never were even acknowledged when this nobel prize was given so the moment i follow what my civilization my uh, wisdom of my rishis have given me i am able to really influence many more people and of course the journey could be lonely i have been quite a lonely person when your entire family or friends are going for a night show and you say no sorry 9 o'clock is my central at time i'm not going to come for a night show <laughs> you know yes. i have my dinner early so sorry uh, if you want to invite me invite me for lunch uh, that to at the right time and not late lunches you know 
so <laughs> you have to be very self disciplined and uh, agree to have a you know a little lonely life initially but then mm. i realized that your family and friends start accepting your idiosyncrasies and you know <laughs> they also say oh okay mala ji is coming or mala ji is invited so we'll have to have either early uh, lunch or early dinner or you know she would not <laughs> join us for a late uh, drama or theater show so yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um you know this thing about knowing the civilizational perspective uh, that brings us to one of the questions that a listener of the podcast has asked us roma ji so she's asking um is there any scripture or anything that i can read um to improve mental health from within the traditions sure there is a lot of thing in fact you know i would say even uh, charak samhita it's not difficult to read we may think that oh charak samhita it's only for uh, anyone who's doing bms in ayurveda but no that's not true you know uh, if you find a good uh, commentary on charak samhita or i mean i've been reading a uh, book on atharva veda by pandit satavlekar and it's the sutras in sanskrit but the hindi translation is so beautiful you know it really gives you a sense of who i am and how happy i am to be born in india because then this wisdom is also in my veins right it's a part of my culture uh, bhagavad gita and i i would say bhagavad gita is not a philosophy It's a, it's a very practical guide to live only thing you should get the right copy because what happens is unfortunately if you don't get the right commentary then it either sounds very you know esoteric or oh it's not for me uh, you know uh, or even simple stories uh, you know from i don't know i've been lucky uh that i've i've grown up listening to stories of bhakta dhruv and bhakta prahlad and a lot of bhakti marga stories that i heard in my uh, childhood days you know so that mm-hmm. keeps you connected like bhagavad gita example which i was giving of practical advice and this is because i have been in corporate life i have been in hardcore hr for 10 years i have been in hardcore management consulting for 15 more than 15 years teaching mba students executive mba students and i realize that what we teach as locus of control right what can i control in my life is exactly what shri krishna says karmanye vadikaraste ma phaleshu kadachana so your mm. adhikar is only on your karma mm. the fall you get or the results you get is not under your control now this may sound very philosophical but it's not philosophical anyone working in a corporate life will know that yes i am passionate about my role i have given my 100% but i may or may not get that increment or promotion or bonus which i think i should get because of my performance and this is very much related to mental health i'm not talking of mental disease i'm talking of mental health this is exactly what maslow talks about self actualizing individuals and you know mm-hmm. all our shastras wherever you go if you read upanishad upanishads are full of stories stories of how do i become a self actualized person how do i self transcendent you know mm-hmm. uh, these stories really connect us with what today modern psychology is talk of, talking of mental positive mental health or positive psychology yeah the biggest takeaway from um, today's episode uh, for me at least is this feeling of empowerment i mean you have responsibility to take care of yourself and uh, you know that's that's the way to initially establish uh, a sense of self and wellness uh, deep inside you and that's something we should do for our children also and it is it, it just seems so doable when we hear you malaji thank you thank you so much you know there is as i heard in your earlier podcast also right that the colonization of course is there but there is so much of westernization right where what is in the west if we start doing it's looked at you are looked at as being cool right and yes. there is a lot of peer pressure and we can't deny it's a reality i mean in my own family where half of the family settled in us and obviously 
uh, though they are, uh, I would say, like a Oreo biscuit, you know, brown from outside but very white from inside, because <laughs> they also want. To fit in. <laughs> I I love the words that we have for this phenomenon. I mean, now it's Oreo biscuit. I have heard of the word coconut in coconut, this connection. Coconut, yeah, <laughs> brown on the outside, white inside, yeah. Yeah, because you know they want to fit in, right? So they want to reject. Uh, a lot of their own Indianness. Like I was shocked when one of my cousins said, "Oh, you know, Mala, I have a lot of South Indian friends, and they are so educated, but they still do all those rituals." And I said, "But why do you see rituals and education as contradictory?" And then she had no answer. So you know, because she doesn't understand what our rituals are, she has stopped following. Because she wants mm -hmm. to be accepted in the American white society, right? Mm -hmm. And therefore, she criticizes her own South Indian friends who are in America, however, very closely rooted in their own culture and following the rituals. I mean, nothing stops us. And the same thing is happening in metros in India, right? So it's not only in America, it's also in India because we want to be known as secular, right? Yeah, And therefore, we much. reject dharma. See, unfortunate part is that we have translated dharma or dharmic as religious. Mm -hmm. The moment we say sanatan dharma, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a Hindu dharma. It's a sanatan dharma. The root of sanatan means that it's eternal. And dharma means dharayati iti dharma. Anything which gives you sustainable principles... So it's mm -hmm. like a law of gravity. We never say law of gravity is a Christian thing. Mm -hmm. Isn't it? Law of relativity is not Christian or Jew or, you know, Buddhist. It, it's a reality. It's a scientific reality. The same way dharma is a way of life, a way of sustainable life. And, and we need to get that back in our life, you know. Because mm -hmm. if we want to survive already, the there are people and there are forces who are predicting the next pandemic. Yes. So how are we preparing ourselves? Mm. You already, in your podcast, uh, we have heard these young teenagers and 20-something talk about what's really happening in their ecosystem, right? Yeah. So we all have a lot of responsibility to bring dharma back in our life, in our family, in our schools and curriculum in a very scientific way. Yes. Finally, I think what uh, uh, what can you tell parents as practical tips that from our tradition that they can use to help bring up, you know, healthy and happy children? Oh, I would say first, first of all, they themselves need to be healthy. <laughs> True. <laughs> My mother was true. a Montessori <laughs> school teacher and she always used to say this, you know, that there is never a problem child. There is always a problem parent, you know. And <laughs> That is correct. Today I see a mm. lot of parents because they are colonized. They don't have clarity. They are not leading a life, right lifestyle, right? And then they want their children to be living a better life. That can't happen. Mm. Like recently, uh, uh, I met someone who had come to Vajagrama where I live for treatment of his 24-year young daughter. Now, he has been mm -hmm. staying in U.S. for more than three decades. Beautiful daughter, 24 years young, started in the best of schools and colleges there, but going through depression, experiencing meaninglessness. And okay. the father with tears in his eyes admitted that Malaji, I think as a father, I have failed because I didn't take my dharma with me, you know, my rootedness in India with me. And mm -hmm. I didn't do my parenting right. Mm -hmm. You know, so unfortunately, I spend a lot of money on education, uh, best of colleges. And we all know what best of colleges mean. You know, it's more of IQ rather than emotional intelligence. It's more of creating now to gender identity issues, right? So if you are yeah. in the best of colleges, maybe you are yeah, yeah. You're going to get into a mental disease zone very quickly. Yeah, so we yeah, need to true. be open enough and question these things. So for parents, I would say first, reflect, introspect, get back a right way of living in your own life. 
right? It will automatically come in your children. Spend more time with them in nature. Mm. That mm. itself may create a lot of paradigm shift. Mm. So, in other words, just to sum it up, it's um, be the example that you want to set. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the answers are everywhere, uh, Rekha and Shalini. You know, I realize that if you really have a quest, if you really, really want something in your life, leave that question in the universe, you know. Be true to your quest and the answers will come. The light will come. And that is, I think, something that we have been following eternally, you know, in our culture exactly. at least. No? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So just, just keep that culture alive, right? Just that one tablespoon of yogurt in your family. Just keep that culture alive, you know, and that live culture will maybe, uh, uh, you know, who knows, it will be a renaissance for the dharmic culture and parenting. Yeah, I, I love the way you have uh, translated, you have taken something on a vast scale, culture that we talk about, and yeah. uh, translated it into a, literally an actionable item for every family at home, right? Yeah, correct, uh, correct. And, you know, we can keep the culture going through culture. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> live that's culture. That too. Basket too, so easily. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank yeah. you, Malaji. Yeah. Thank so, you, Malaji, it has been, uh, it has been such a, such an exhilarating journey with you. You know, this past one hour has been uh, immensely gratifying and immensely uh, uh, enlightening and enriching for both of us and uh, we hope that you know our parents our listeners will also uh, take advantage of the wonderful insights that you bring and um, I actually there were a lot of aha moments during this conversation you know and I'll now file them away for future use so it has been great talking to you and uh, we look forward to having more sessions with you on uh, perhaps different topics because I think we want to bring a lot of the Indic perspective into uh, you know what we want to communicate to our uh, listener audience so we will be in touch with you uh, to take forward another conversation on another topic uh, or a, probably a continuation of this topic we will see but uh, certainly we will have you back so thank you very much Malaji and to our listeners uh, thank you very much for listening in and uh, we will be back with you soon with another podcast. Thank you. Namaste. 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 Dhanyavadaha.